Man, it is good to be here with everyone. Um, we're going to continue our series on identity this week. And um, so much of what we've been talking about has been leading up to this moment. We talked about the identity of God and how he is holy, but also how he was generous and how he is good. We talked about Jesus and how he is the truth, right? And how he is all the authority. And we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the church and how we are a body. And today we are going to be talking about ourselves. We're going to talk about the identity of me and the identity of you as individuals, not as a body, but as how God sees us and how we need to see ourselves. And I have been anticipating this moment for so long because I have been having conversations with people, like, and not like necessarily deep philosophical things, just in passing, things that people have been saying to me, and it's, it's been this consistent thing. And I'm so grateful that we have this moment right here to hear what God says about us this morning. And I want us all, every single one of us in here, listen, there are, there are many of us in this room, that many of us that are watching online, that desperately need to hear what we are going to be talking about this morning. And I want to challenge you to listen and understand that what we are talking about this morning, the words that we are going to be reading out of God's word are for you. They are for you. They are not for the per- just for the person next to you or in front of you or behind you. God is, wants to share something and, and correct a lot of things in your life. Because I believe there are many of us in this room, many of us that are watching online, that have been walking around defeated, that have been walking around with, with self-esteem at an all-time low. I would even go so far as to say battling depression and suicide because of your view and understanding of yourself. And it is so far from what God says about you. And so let's pray this morning and let's all agree that we are going to dig in and we're going to be all ears on what God is saying this morning. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. And God, we give it to you completely. And Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that every single one of us would hear what you have to say this morning, that we would not shrug it off, that we would not assume that's for anyone else, that we we would not just, oh, I've heard that before and whatever. God, that these words would penetrate the hearts of those that have built up walls around their hearts, God, that you would break through this morning, that you would break chains. God, that you would open our hearts and open our minds, Jesus, to your love and to the truth, who you say that we are. And God, the things that we have assumed on ourselves, the truths that are truly lies that we have believed, God, that you would break the power of those in Jesus' name. This morning, we, we pray it right now before anything's even spoken, God. We believe and we stand right now for miraculous deliverance and freedom. For anyone in here that, is, that has had suicidal thoughts, depression, God, beating themselves up, feeling less, whatever it might be, God, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would bring restoration and life and love to every single person in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's get going. There's a lot of things that can shape our identity. There's a lot of things that can, that can try, I should say, and attempt to shape who we are. Our childhood, our marriages, our children, our work, 
which we'll get to in a little bit for sure. All these things try and shape the, the person that we are. But there is truly, y'all, only one thing that can shape who we are as people. And that is our creator. That is Jesus. Jesus tells us who we are. Truly. Everything else can try, but only Jesus, because Jesus is the truth. Remember, Jesus is the authority, can tell us who we really are. And as a parent, as a father of my three girls, I, I make it a point to admit, as, as often as I can to, to hold them and to look in their eyes or maybe come behind them and wrap my arms around them and say in their ear, but I, I tell them, I say, I am so proud to be your dad. And you are my girl. You are my daughter. And I love you. And I don't say that because they make my life easier, right? I wish they did, but they don't. Kids don't make our lives easier. Anyone that says that is lying to you. They are trying to sell you something. Their kids are not that great, okay? Like, wow, their lives are easy. What am I doing wrong? They're, they're lying to you. Kids don't make our life easier. There is this, this, my wife runs the house. She's an amazing. The one thing that I try and take off of her plate is the laundry. I am weird about the laundry. If you ask me how my day goes, I will gauge it by the amount of laundry that I did that day, right? How was your day? I did four loads. What are you talking about? I, you, you, I, I did four loads of laundry. It was awesome, right? I'm OCD about it. It's weird. But when I do laundry, and y'all know what I'm talking about, I bring it up, it's folded, and for just, for just like 10 minutes, for maybe five minutes, I want to be able to put the empty laundry basket down and there be nothing in it, right? It doesn't work that way. Somehow, it's a mystery of the universe that I will ask the Lord when I get to heaven. How? How did I put this laundry basket? And there's laundry waiting for me. It's laying on the ground and it's laughing at me. Like, ha, you thought you did it. There's always something. My tombstone is going to say there's always dirty dishes. All right? You can eat out for three meals in a row all day, and there's always dirty dishes. Can I hear an amen, church? All right? They don't make life easier. But what they do do is they make my life more valuable. My life is more valuable. Jesse's life is more valuable. Our marriage is more valuable because of our children, because, because they're mine. They're mine. And I love them, not because they make life easier, but because they make my existence and who I am more valuable. And if I can feel that way, if I can feel that way with all my faults, getting angry at the laundry that they leave and the fact that they either go zero miles an hour or a thousand miles an hour, but can't find that middle ground of life speed, and I get frustrated over that, but I still feel that way towards them. How much more, y'all, our perfect father in heaven and how he feels about you, his child. How much more does he want to say to you, and I would believe has been trying to say to you, that you are mine, and I'm so proud to be your father, and I love you. And I know that he says that, because he wrote it down for us to read, even now. And I want to look at those specific words in Isaiah chapter 43. 
starting in verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I'm not making it up. It's in, it's in God's word right there. You are mine. And you know, I'm going to pick on the ladies in here for a second because y'all are amazing at this. When husbands compliment your wives, okay, you need to because you don't deserve them, okay? We, none of us do, right? But, but ladies, when your husbands compliment you, receive the compliment, right? It doesn't even have to be your husband, a friend, right? Whatever. Instead of like, you, you, look, you look beautiful today. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, I haven't even brushed my hair. You know, like, what? I, I just thought I said something nice to you, right? Receive the compliment, right? And, and we're all guilty of it, men too. We all, we all, it's like, I don't know what it is about human nature. We just can't say thank you. I appreciate that. It's instead like, how dare you, right? Don't patronize me. We're trying to just be nice to one another. And, and so we, we can read this and, and we can say, well, God has to say that because that's what we think of other people. You're just saying that because you have to say that. You don't really mean it. But here's the, here's the truth, y'all. When, when God says that we are his, he doesn't have to say it. He chose. He chose to make us his because he chose to send Jesus to die on the cross so that he could adopt us in as his children. It was his choice that we would be his. It was his choice for him to say, you are mine. It didn't just happen. He, just, he saw us and sees us and said, I want them to be mine. So I'm going to send Jesus to die on a cross, my son, so that you can be mine, so that I can look you in the eyes and say, I am proud to be your father. You are mine. And that is where our identity is found. In him. In him. In the fact that we have a God who sits in heaven who says, I choose for you to be mine. And I am proud to be your father. David writes in Psalms 139, starting in verse 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not mess up with how he created you. You are exactly as you should be. Do you hear me? You need to hear me. And so David's response to that is what? I will praise you. I praise you, God. Thank you. And not in this, you know, it's not this arrogant way, like, wow, look at me, how great I am. It's God, look how great you are in what you have done, in the works that you have done. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a great creator. And so I praise you and I worship you for that. Praise God. Isaiah goes on to say in verse 2 of chapter 43, after, he, after he, it says, I have called you by name, you are mine. He goes on to say, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. 
When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because, listen to this, y'all, you are precious to me. You are honored. And I love you. You are precious to the Lord. You need to hear it. You need to hear and know that you are precious to the Lord and He loves you. What is He saying here? This is, this is the sermon, right? When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fires, you're not going to be burned up. I love you. You're precious to me. I got you. You are mine. You think I'm going to let you drown? You think I'm going to let you burn up? Do you confuse me for some failure of a father? Because I am not. I made you. I created you. So surely I'm going to be with you because you are mine. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't think God lets his things go. He is a good father. And as I even, as I stand up here now, and I say that about you, you need to understand as well that your children are his too. Your kids are his first. I want to tell you all something. I'm going to shift gears for just a quick second. I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear me. If we go back and we look in Isaiah 43:1, it says that I call you by name. You are not what you do. You are who you belong to. I'm going to say that again. You are not what you do for a living. You are whose you belong to. When God calls me, he doesn't say, hey, pastor, pastor, preacher. He says, James, James. Why? Because that's my name. He calls me by name. And he calls you by name as well. We get so wrapped up in titles, it's ridiculous. And I'm the same way. When I, when I took over, it was like, well, I'm going to be called senior pastor, lead pastor, preaching pastor, you know, I don't know, teaching pastor. Uh, call me James, all right? That's my name, all right? We, listen, we care more about the title on our business card than what is in our heart. And we measure who we are by that instead of what we carry around in our hearts every day. And we allow that to determine our identity. It's not about titles, y'all. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but check this out. A pile of manure would stink just as bad by any other name as well. So it's not about what we're called. It's about who we are. And who are we? We are God's children. We are His. And it's not about what you do. So stop measuring yourself to the person next to you when that doesn't matter. This is what it says in Colossians 3. It says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever it is. I love that Paul doesn't give any specifics because it doesn't matter. It's just what matters is who we're doing it for. 
My goodness gracious. We care about the title. You know why? Because we're doing it for ourselves. It validates me. It gives me worth. It gives me identity. But when we turn those things over and say, God, this is for you with whatever I do, it's for your glory. And then it becomes about him. And that's the amazing thing. When we do that, then we're able to find who we are. It's, it's a backwards way of thinking that, that we approach. We make it all about ourselves and we lose identity. We make it all about the Lord and we find identity. It's not about your title, y'all. Some of us in here really need to hear that because you have been beating yourself up over a business card and you have forgotten, you have forgotten what's in your heart. I believe God's been calling so many of us in here by name and we don't hear it because all we're listening for is people calling us by our title. And that is sad because the titles go away. He's calling us by name. Will you listen? Will you listen to what he wants to say to you? All right, let's keep going. There is... I want to look at Genesis 1 real quick. We're not going to turn there, but you can if you want. But in the middle of the story of the creation, God's creation of everything that he did in Genesis 1, there's in the middle of that, there's this word, it's called the moad. And it's about when God is creating the, the days and the months and the, and the seasons. It's what it's talking about. To mark things, right? And it's right in the middle. It's right in the center of the creation story. And the first people, the first people to hear this creation story were the Israelites out in the desert. It's being told to them. And this whole story of creation is, is it's not about how we can figure out where kangaroos and gorillas came from, right? The whole point of a story of creation is to tell, is for God to tell us what he thinks about us. And so these Israelites are out in the desert, freshly removed from being enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. They were slaves. That was their identity, and that was their title. And their entire worth, while they were there in Egypt, their, their job, everything about them was the bricks that they made. They were, they were slaves to make bricks, right? Right? And they worked seven days a week, from sunup to sundown. And everything about their existence was how many bricks could they make. Because if they didn't make enough, or they weren't good at it, their value to the Egyptians went down. To the point where maybe they weren't valued at all. And so God removes them out of that place. He brings them into the desert, and he begins to tell them the story of creation. And on that last day, it says that God rests. And what he's telling them, he's saying, of everything that I created, you, you are my crown jewel. You are what I care about most. And after that, I rested. And that, that, that idea of rest to these Israelites in the desert was completely foreign. Because for them, 
all value and all worth was about what they produced. It was about the bricks. And what God is saying is, no, 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 no. I want you to rest because I value you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. And that allows you to rest. You know, we read the commandment in the Ten Commandments that God calls us to rest, you know, to keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. And some of that is very practical. We need rest, right? We need to take a break. We need to catch our breath and be rested. But a large part of that command is not just the practical side of rest. It's so that we will be reminded who we are. So that we will, be, we will allow ourselves to rest in the person that God has created us to be. And that is his children. But we're too busy going out there and crushing it. A term that I hate with every fiber of my being, by the way. Like, I'm just going to stop there. All right, thank you, Jesus, for wisdom. Um, I would love for us one day to say, I'm going to rest it today, all right? I'm going to crush my time with the Lord today. But that, that idea of being able to rest in him because our value and our worth is not about how many bricks we make. It's about who we are in him. And that was the very first lesson that he is trying to teach the Israelites in the desert. He is trying to give them back their identity. Say, so you are not slaves. It's not about your title. It's not about how much you produce. It's about who you are. And who are you? You're mine. It's not about what y'all produce. It's not about how great or bad of a sermon I think I give on a Sunday. It's not about the car you drive or what's printed on your business card. It's not about making bricks. It's about who you are. And you are the son or the daughter of the Most High God, who was and is and is to come. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I want to read... I want to read out of Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses out of this, so bear with me. But I want you to, I want you to listen to these words in the context of what we're talking about this morning, out of identity, out of being children of God. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. This is the message version, by the way. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ and God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with the obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected 
with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. In other words, a life trying to find identity in other things but God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious or irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered. Y'all ready for this next one? Content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. I want all of us in here so badly to act like it. I want us to act like we are the sons and the daughters of our God. Can you imagine what that would look like in your life if you truly wrapped your arms around that? Not head down anymore, not comparing, not worrying about titles, but totally and completely content with who we are in Jesus. When, when I was growing up, um, you know, middle high school, I was, I was so aware of the name brand of the, of the clothing that I was wearing, right? We used to say it was either generic or it was name brand. And literally, life as I knew it depended on that. I couldn't buy some generic pair of shoes or wear a generic shirt. I needed the name brand. Because if I had that, then I felt good about myself, right? But everything else was like cheap and knockoff. And I, I wasn't up to the standard of coolness that I thought I needed to be on. And what we read here in Colossians is that when we turn our lives over to Jesus, he takes whatever generic branding that we've put on ourselves that says that we're less or that we're not enough, or we're not good enough, or we're ugly, or we're a failure, or we're stupid, or whatever those, those generic labels are. And he says, I'm taking that off, and I'm putting my label on you. So as, 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 as cool as I thought all the surf branding was when I was in middle school, it's nothing compared to the label of God the Father that he puts on us. That says that you are loved, you are precious, you are more than enough, you are chosen, you are adopted, you are ransomed, you are mine. That is what he clothes us in. But we have to wear it. Y'all have to wear it. 
You have to believe it for yourself. I can preach this sermon every Sunday for hours on end, and until you receive it, it's not going to do you any good. But these words are written in the word of God so that you can hear it and that you can believe it for yourself. He loves you. He loves you. And he has chosen you to be his child. You got to believe it. I would love to believe it for you. I wish I could. But you got to have ears yourself to hear it. Will you put on the robe that he has custom made for you? Will you act like it? Will you be content with second place? <laughs> a little harder, right? That's a little harder. Will you be content with the house that you live in and the car that you drive and your title? Because none of those things matter even close compared to what God says about you. He loves y'all. I don't have the band come back up. And we're going to end with where we began this morning as we ready ourselves for communion as well. If you didn't get a cup of communion, there's uh, some in the back. And get those, but we want to make sure everyone has a communion cup. You know, going back to the, the discussion on rest, you know in the Jewish culture, rest begins the day. It doesn't end the day. And if you go back and read in Genesis when God is creating everything, it says it was evening and it was morning the first day. It was evening and it was morning the second day. And so on and so forth. Because rest is where it begins, not where it ends. We don't collapse on the couch at night and rest to end our day. We begin our day resting in who we are, knowing who we are. Imagine, y'all, if we woke up in the morning and the first thought that we had was, Lord, I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to rest in your goodness today, knowing that I am yours, knowing that my marriage is yours, knowing that my children are yours, because I am yours. Isaiah 43, 1, again, says, But now, O Jacob... Listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If you're taking notes this morning, any, or, or you weren't, get out your phone now and write that down. I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's. You are his. And he chose it. He chose to send Jesus so that you could be his. And that's what we're going to celebrate right now as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, as we prepare for communion, is to honor the choice that God made when he looked at us and said, it's not about what you do. It's not that you make my existence easier. I would say not. If he had to send his son Jesus to die on a cross, that doesn't sound very easy. But it's because he values us. Not because of the amount of bricks that we make, but because of who 
we are. And that is something that we can truly rest in. So if you have been battling depression, suicide, restlessness, and you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, you call yourself a failure because you keep tripping over the same mistake over and over again. And so rather than running to the Lord, you, you shy away or you just beat yourself up and you allow that feeling to infiltrate all different parts of your life. Maybe you take it out on your spouse or maybe you take it out on your children or you, you've, you've drawn away from all of your friends or even the church because of your view of yourself. You've let the enemy come in and tell you all these lies that for some crazy reason, God would ever turn his back on you because of how you've acted. Now is the time to end that and be reminded that you are the Lord's and you are precious to him. He loves you so much. Y'all, he loves you so much. I can't say it enough. Father, let's stand up. Father, Father, you are a good, good Father. You are patient with us. You encourage us. When we lose our way and then we come to our senses and we turn back to you, our view of you is not a God who's far off and arms are folded saying, I told you so, saying you better do this, that, and the other before you can come back to me. No, no, no. Lord, you, you run to us and you embrace us and you put a ring and a robe on us and you throw a feast for us and you say that you are mine and I was with you in the deep waters. I was with you in the fires and I was never going to let you go. And God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name for your, in, in the authority of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit to break chains this morning, break the chains of depression and suicide, Father, in Jesus' name. Break the chains of that sense of failure and that, that, that need to hide Hide in darkness, hide in lies, God, that bring all sorts of addictions with it, Father, of self-medicating to try and make ourselves feel better. God, I break those powers in Jesus' name. And God, let every single one of us in here return to our first love, and that is you, God. And God, I thank you so much for what you have in your word, those true words that say that, that we were ransomed and that we are yours. And I pray, God, that that simple but yet profound truth would not be lost on a single person this morning. God, that it would penetrate their hearts and they would be able to receive it despite what might be going on around them, despite what they did yesterday, this morning, God, whatever it is in Jesus' name, let them hear those words, Father, that they are yours and that you love them and that they are precious to you. That it's not about what we do or didn't do, what we accomplished or didn't accomplish, what we fail at all the time, God. The truth is that you died for us so that you could adopt us in as your children. 
And Lord, if there are any of us in here right now who we've been living this life trying to earn our salvation by the bricks that we make, God, let us just surrender that right now in Jesus' name. If there's anyone in here and you're trying to do it on your own, now is your moment to release that and say, Jesus, I believe in you and your sacrifice for me. That's all you have to say. God, break chains this morning. Break chains and set those free that need to be freed. And Father, right now, we, we take this bread and we remember, Lord, the sacrifice that you made as you sent Jesus down here to walk amongst us, to live amongst us, and to die on a cross, beaten nails driven through his arms and his legs, suffocating with every breath, so that you could say, as a proud father, you are mine. God, we take this bread this morning, remembering what you did and remembering who you did it for. And that was us. So we say, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for paying that ransom for us. Let's take the bread. Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed so that we can have mornings like this where we can say it's not about yesterday's failures. It's about today's mercy. All because of your blood. And so God, for those of us that are in this room and that are saying, but I, I did it, yes, I, I did in the day before and I can't crack it, Lord. Right now, we just stop and we rest in the truth of the power of your blood that is enough to make us clean in this moment. So Father, wash us clean. Make us new by the blood of that perfect spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. Your mercies are new every day. Your blood, your blood. There's life in your blood, Lord. Pour it out on us, Father. You poured it out on that cross, and it's still pouring out on us now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, we take this cup. Remembering again, it's not about our past failures. It's about your victory on the cross. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. God, I love you. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for this body, for this family. We're going to worship. And we're going to open up the altar. If you need to come up and just get right with the Lord. There's things that you need to let go. There's things that you need to just say or just receive the love of Jesus on you. Now's your opportunity to come and approach the altar and just worship on your knees. But I just want to say one more time that we love you and God loves you. You are his. And he's not going to leave you in the deep waters and he's not going to leave you in the fire. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let's worship.